getting um, a lot of success off um, what we were trying to do. Um, in the first quarter, they came out really hot. They were shooting threes. Um, and we had been warned against their three-point shooting. Joe Henry had been refing them in a game the week before. And he was saying, you know, they've gone into a bit of a three-point shooting team since we've seen them last. And they showed that early. As, as much as we tried to get out to them, they knocked down a lot of threes. So they got out to a lead early. Um, but then in the second quarter, uh, we managed to get to grips with them and we managed to find a bit of rhythm on offense. Um, you know, we worked on a lot of uh, handoff screens and handoff plays against the man-to-man. Uh, I was able to knock down a couple of three-pointers. Uh, we were able to get Joseph Henry in 1v1 situations. Um, so, And we came back into the game and we were back at single digits by halftime. Um, and kind of similar enough to the to the uh, boys yesterday in their final, you know, we kind of said at halftime, okay, whoever makes the next run in the game is probably going to win it. And again, unfortunately, uh, for the Castlery side, it was the other team who did it. Um, Rona McGarity uh, plays for them. He used to play, obviously, with um, National League and Super League, I think. Um, and I think he just decided during that third quarter that he was going to, uh, you know, once he decided to start scoring, he was able to get to the basket. Or um, I know he was a, he crashed the offensive boards a lot. Anytime they missed a shot, he was in over the top of us pulling down rebounds and using his strength and size uh, just to get make sure they scored every possession. Um, and also we struggled to get our fast break going. Balanad, they're very focused. They have a deep bench. They're very athletic. So anytime we got out on a fast break layup, you know, they had one, two, three, even four or five lads back to defend it. So um, uh, I think just their intensity, their physicality as well, their size um, kind of dupes us a bit. Um, and they made it show the last day. Um, but like that, we didn't turn over. You know, we kept playing to the very end. Uh, we got once the game was out of reach, we got good minutes for lads. Um, and it's also that's very important against like to get lads in against you know good opposition. It gives uh them books and experience. Frank Hester, we had Frank Hester and Michael Callahan down. You know, they're they're in college this year, they're first year college, so we're seeing less of them than last year. But whenever they're around, we try and get them as much uh, minutes as they can and they did well when they came in um, so yeah the Ballinac came out with the win um, we went down you know we were expected ourselves to put in a good shift and I think we did um, as much as we could have against and Ballinac you know they've they've um, had a lot of handy games and not because the opposition's been weak because they're just very good and um, they know what they're about so um, they're looking good to crack on and win the league now unless they uh, get a favour off somebody or unless um, their neighbours, Castlebar, can uh, win their return fixture and put a bit of pressure on them. So uh, we look ahead to the next one. Uh, we won't be disheartened by it. You know, they're the undefeated league leaders for a reason, you know. So uh, we look ahead to the next one now. We have Athlone at home in um, Saturday week, the 28th. So, And that's one we'll... Um, uh, we'll be confident enough we can get the victory, but they did beat us up there by a small margin for Christmas, so we'll be guarded against that, and uh, we'll be ready to put in a good shift for our home supporters and hopefully get a win. That's it, and, and just we say, you know, against Ballina, that you know, unfortunately, last week, last Saturday, you didn't win, or last weekend, you didn't win it. But we say, you know, using the game because I believe that was the for your first game of the season, using that as a yardstick compared to we say last weekend's game. Do you feel you did um, 
certain things better in in the weekend's game just gone compared to the first game? Uh, or did you kind of get worse in certain areas and better in other areas? Or do you feel that there was more improvement than kind of mistakes that you made in general? Um, I will say I feel like we played Ballina obviously in the first game of the season at home and they mm. pulled away for a 10-point win, I think, in the end. Mm. Um, I will say for Ballina, they've gotten a lot better. You know, yeah. their threats... You know, they kind of beat us up inside when they played us in Castlery. Um, But I will say their threats from outside and their organisation and their spread of scores um, has gotten a lot better since then. Um, and they're looking like a really high-level basketball team. Um, so I will say they've improved a lot. Um, and they've kind of just got a more of a pattern and rhythm. And I think they're kind of playing in more unison with each other than the first day. And that's to be expected, you know. They've got they've gotten into a mid-season rhythm. Um, for us, you know, we worked. We knew they were going to play man to man, and it's something we've struggled against in the past. So we worked on a few plays, and we had some moments where they came off. We I, we were looking for just execution of screens and um, execution of good timing of where to be and reacting to what the defense was doing, and also reacting to where your teammates were. Um, you know, we had our good moments where things came off, and we timed it well coming off screens or whatever and got good shots and there was other moments where maybe we didn't get it right and we had two lads cutting to the same spot at the one time or we had lads not waiting for a screen um, and just our rhythm was knocked off a bit but I will say it's something we struggled against in the past and we had some a lot of good moments particularly in that second quarter um, against you know the best team in the league um, at least by the looks of it the best team in the league at the moment um, we had a lot of good moments against them. So there is some positives to take from that. Um, 1v1, I think, like Frank Hester came in there. and Frank's an excellent, just fundamental post player. And even though he maybe hasn't played as much this year, he was able to come in and once he got one-on-one -on -one inside, he was able to, <clears throat> he had a lovely baseline move at one stage. So I think uh, something we can get better at is definitely isolating 1v1 situations as much, much as we can. But that requires discipline from the other four players to like space it out or, you know, decide not to cut or, um, you know, for the player on the ball. But um, yeah, definitely a few positives to be taken. I think we responded well to the early setback. Um, but uh, ultimately, as good as our good moments were, we just didn't have enough of them. And uh, that, you know, Costos and Balanay came out with the win. That's it. And moving on to the girls now, and uh, I believe uh, your game that was supposed to be on at the weekend was uh, didn't go ahead. So uh, you're you're looking ahead to the next game then. Yeah, we're on tomorrow night in Drumlish. So um, hopefully the roads are a bit better. I think the weather is not supposed to be as severe tomorrow or tomorrow evening. So um, yeah, we're heading down to Drumlish. We bet them handy enough um, when they came up to us in the first half of the season. Um, but you know they're always tough. They're they're nice mid range shooters. So if they get in a rhythm, they can be dangerous. Um, so we'll be guarded against that. Um, and they are tough. And I think the, um, we're down a few post players. I know Lisa is out with her thumb, and she had a great game against them um, before uh, in the first half of the season in our first meeting. And Aoife has All Ireland's coming up this weekend, I think, or maybe next weekend. So um, so we'll be without her. Um, Ellie Mulrennan and Abby Flanagan have mocks coming up so I think they're kind of taking a step back to focus on that they're in sixth year now so we're down a few post players but we've been working on a few bits with Chloe Finan and Eva Lavin 
uh, to try and work them inside a bit and maybe give them a bit of responsibility, you know, because they play with a lot of physicality. Um, so maybe to give them a bit more uh, responsibility um, inside. You know, we have Sarah Tyrrell coming down, so she'll definitely be a, a staple of our game tomorrow evening, you know, um, because she's the kind of, I think she's our only kind of natural post player available tomorrow night. Um, so we're going to we're gonna need everybody to kind of step up with helping inside and getting hands up to make tough shots and also, most importantly, to help get rebounds. Um you know, to use their speed and just be get active early and when shots go up and just be in position to pull down rebounds. And hopefully we can get out on the break. Um, you know, Sandra Kane will run the floor, Janika Lavin will run the floor, Sarah Taylor herself will run the floor. We have Rachel Mulligan back. Um, you know, she was out for two weeks. She was down. She was away with her core. She's doing teaching, uh, primary teaching. So she was doing her Gale Tuck two weeks. So we have her back and Rachel brings a lot of physicality so she'll definitely be a big help. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can go down. And I think if we just, you know, get in a rhythm and stay, execute our offense and, you know, work hard on defense as we always do, I think we should expect to come out with a win. But we definitely can't go down there overlooking Drumlish either. Because like I said, they'll knock down shots if they're if they're given to them and they'll crash the boards. And, you know, we just need to be guarded against the hard work that Drumlish are going to put in. That's it. Well, listen, that's great to, to hear and we look forward to talking to you again next week. But uh, uh, once again, you'd like to give your mention to uh, your sponsors. Yeah, big thank you to all our sponsors again. Um, you know, we couldn't really go ahead uh, with our home games down the hub um, without you. So the sport is uh, very much appreciated. McGorty's Bear on Main Street help us out a lot. Our kit sponsors are Cattle Super Value and Harmac Medical. So thanks to those guys. Um, our warm-up top sponsors, Mike Allen Construction and Bastion Kitchen on Patrick Street. Um, we appreciate you very much. And then just running costs, um, we're helped out by Whispy's Discount Store, Amigo International Transport out in Balala. Um, and hopefully we'll have a few more uh, coming on board now in the second half of the season um, to uh, just cover a few running costs, you know, paying for refs, facilities, things like that. So, um, yeah, I appreciate all the sponsors and um, hopefully we can have your support um, for the foreseeable future. That's great. And uh, just to let the listeners know about uh, yeah, our 50-50 draw here on Ross FM Community Radio that's held every fortnight. Um, to take part, why not uh, support your local radio station? To take part, you can buy one envelope for two euro or, or three for a fiver. So uh, it it's, uh, goes to a very good cause there, uh, keeping the run, running costs um Paid for, and uh, so uh, you know it could be you. So why not? Uh, why not uh, get an envelope today? So listen, thanks very much, my um, Thomas, for doing uh, Castery Cavaliers basketball uh, podcast with us this week, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Aidan. We'll chat no you next problem. week. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Thomas O'Callan, the player, player coach of Castery Cavaliers basketball club. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You're very welcome back to uh, Friday Sport with myself in Rafferty and the shows as always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, next up we have a, another great uh, another great interview, something that you probably wouldn't have heard that much of on uh, Friday Sport. Um, this is the first time we've had an, an interview for uh, a new sport and it's all about uh, softball and to tell us a bit more about it, we have uh, Nathan McGrain from uh, Connacht Softball Team. Hello, um, hello Vinny, how are you? Are you well? 
Yeah, no, not too bad. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. It's great to give uh, new sport coverage, and uh, thanks very much for taking the time out to to do the interview with us there. And uh, yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's one of those um, maybe that one of those sports that maybe not many par- not many people would have kind of heard about. And uh, I suppose it, it's um, would you say it's like a, a different code from rounders, or is it? Could you take us through the different rules of uh, of um, softball? Yeah, I, I suppose it would be it, it's similar to, to rounders, and we actually have a lot of overlap. Like a lot of our softball players also play rounders, um, but it, it would be a lot closer to baseball than yeah. people would have, would have seen. Um, but I suppose the, the main difference between baseball and softball is the rules are, tra- are changed to make the to make the sport a little bit easier to get into, a bit easier to play. Um, so, like for for example, the the field in softball um, is a lot smaller. The distance between the bases is a lot smaller. Um, and I suppose the main uh, recreational way that softball is played in Ireland is um, we play mixed teams. So, six guys, four girls, five guys, five girls, um, and it's played on two different sides. Um, so you have a batting team and a fielding team, and uh, each inning, uh, each team will swap over and have a chance of fielding and have a chance of batting. Um, so, uh, to put it simply, when when you're the batting team, your only goal is to is to hit the ball far enough away from all the fielding teams so that you can get around the bases and get back home. Uh, and when you're the fielding team, uh, your aim is to defend, is to catch the ball and get the batter out. That's it, and uh, I suppose uh, the positions on the field then are similar to uh, rounders or baseball. Oh yeah, very similar. Um, so the uh, small difference is we, we put four people uh, in the outfield, whereas baseball and rounders put three. Yeah. Um, again, that's just to, to make it make the game a little bit easier, a little bit more fun, uh, keep the ball moving as much as we can, so it's uh, so it's more enjoyable experience and I suppose looking at looking at uh, softball in Ireland uh, I suppose uh, historically how long has it been how long has the game been in Ireland um, I don't know when it actually started but I know uh, like I only got involved about five years ago um, in Galway softball and this year is actually Galway softball's 25 year anniversary Very uh, good. So, like, it's, it's certainly been around for a long time I mean I suppose probably if you go back 10 years um, it, it was massive in the colleges. There was big university leagues, um, but that kind of that dropped away a little bit. And I suppose we're trying to get we're trying to get back there. We're trying to get if um, trying to get more people involved um, as a as a social sport. Like a, you know, I suppose the the difference between the way we play softball compared to baseball would be the way people play tag compared to rugby. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, and there's uh, and there's uh, in rugby, there's rugby league, rugby union, and rugby, uh, rugby uh, tag rugby. So, yeah, the, it's kind of similar with <laughs> with the baseball and the rounders and the and the softball as well. Um, so, I suppose from your, your yourself, I suppose, just to give us a bit of background on yourself and how you got how you got into sport. Obviously, you were saying there you got involved uh, in Galway there, but uh, I suppose in um, with regard to the Connacht team, how did that come about, and uh, whose idea? was it or who set it up and uh, how long has Connacht um, softball been been uh, around yeah so it's um, there is a national tournament uh, called SYNC 
um, the Softball Ireland uh, National Club Championship. Uh, and the, the winning team of that then goes on to play across Europe. Um, but the way everything is organised in Ireland, you have to be in a region um, to be able to join SING. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as I was involved in Galway softball, I think it was a bit, you know, disheartening when you get to the you get to the end of the season and then you can't actually compete to get the the, the All-Ireland title and you can't go on any further. Um, so it's purely because of that we decided we'd set up we'd set up uh, our own region. So like we already have uh, we already have Leinster and Ulster, um, and you know Ulster's got eleven clubs. Leinster has eighteen clubs. Um, so we thought we we set up our own one. So we've got three teams in Galway, um, and we only set up last year. But I mean, since then we've got uh, a team setting up in Cork. We've a team setting up in Limerick. Um, and we're hoping that one of your listeners would would like to get involved in the fun, set up a team in Roscommon, and and uh, come down to play against us in Galway. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Maybe maybe set up like a Connacht League or something. That that that, that would be that would be that would be hugely beneficial. And uh, I suppose it, would you say it's like a fast growing sport, as in you know the 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 amount of people starting to get involved in it. Uh, is is it growing? Is it um, is it a sport that's growing in popularity? It's growing massively. Like I mean, I can I can only. I don't really speak for, for Galway, but um, like four or five years ago, Galway softball was, you know, 20, 30 people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, last year, I think we finished up at, a, at 120 members with, with three uh, three national teams that were traveling for games. And we had a, a mini social league uh, in Galway of uh, five teams. Um, that- so I mean that's that's it's pretty huge for for a few years. That's grand, and uh, I suppose w- would you be like what one of the the, the founders of, of the Connacht uh, softball team, the regional team? And um, yeah, so the the regional was was uh, found by myself, uh, back in Kerry, and uh, Lisa Fox, and um, and you know we just we just decided that we'd. We kind of wanted to see if we could make go for it, get the Irish title, and go off play in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and of course, uh, of course, would be a lot of um, for any team that for any team then that qualifies for the European part. But it's nice to see that there's an inter- an international element to it. Uh, but then, like funding is required, will be required then for the travel and and expenses and things like that. For uh, you know, if there's away if there was away trips, or is it just like a tournament that's held over a week or? How does that operate? Yeah, most of the most of the European tournaments are held over held over a week or two. Um, yeah, there's there's not much in the way of funding, and um, we're, we're still not recognised by Sport Ireland. Yeah, we're, we're in the process of that. We've to we've to combine softball and baseball um, into one national body, and then Sport Ireland will will hear our case. Um, but most of our clubs um, they get a significant um, significant funding from all the local sports partnerships um, and then sponsorships so like you know Galway Softball they have a they have a league which is um, which is sponsored by Galway Bay Brewery um, so it's that's one way that we you know try and reduce the cost to, to members from the play 
That's it. And I suppose from a, a playability point of view, um, there, there's kind of, you know the way like when you see rugby, there's it's nearly like there's a position for nearly each type of player or each kind of ability. So like we say, a hooker might be smaller or whatever, or a thin kind of person will be, and fast player will be a winger. Um, would you say that, this, that, that a round ball or softball is um, kind of the same as in there's a position that suits everybody? hundred percent. There's there's no such thing as a person who can't play softball. Yeah. Um, so like we, we we kind of stack our stack our teams to meet the ability of the players. I mean, you know, and like we, we do open days um, all over the place. I suppose if you if you see one, you might you might want to come along and, and see how it's played. Um, but yeah, there's you know the the age range of people in Ireland that are playing is is anything from from sixteen to, to seventy something like. Like there's, there are, there are ways that everybody can play regardless yeah. of what they're playing. And I suppose from a comic point of view, uh, obviously there's the, there's the senior team, obviously. But um, is there? It, it takes. I suppose it's about building that up first. But like we say, long term, would you be looking into maybe developing underage teams uh, for the con- for Connacht? Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, the the problem is trying to get trying to get the volunteers and and everything in mm. place to be able to be able to go under 18 like it's so like Galway for instance is, is all over 18 um, just because of all the rules and regulations that go along and um, with allowing under 18s into a sport and um, I think you just have to wait until you you get to a certain you, you get to a, a certain mass of members before you can start opening it up to the on that's great and uh, you know it's it's. Uh, th- you were saying this is your second uh, your second year uh, with the team or the, the team is two, this is the, this is two years the team is two years old at this stage and uh, you know I suppose really when you when you look at the, when you look at the the other teams see, you were saying that there's a, that there's a, a national a national tournament can you tell us a, a little bit about that and uh, I suppose you know, when Connacht went to take part in that, how, how was that? How did that go? Um, well, it's, it's like it was. Um, the, the way it works is we we have we have a league uh, with Connacht and Munster combined, and mm. it's, it's the winner. It's the winner of that league then that plays uh, that plays for Connacht Munster in sync. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So last, last year was the first uh, was the first year uh, we got to attend. So it was the, the Galway tribes um, playing against the, the winner from Leinster, the winner from Ulster. And unfortunately, they came third, but it wasn't um, it wasn't that big of a surprise, seeing as it was their their first time yeah. for the tournament. Um, but yeah, I suppose there was there was a, there was one clear winner, <laughs> but then but second third place was uh, was very tight. And I'd say I'd say this year when we go back. I'd say we've a good shot of we, we've a good shot of uh, coming out on top, and, and if not, we'll be going on second. That's it. Uh, but uh, you know, whereas you didn't, you mightn't have done as well as like obviously <laughs> with the first uh, with the first time in an, in an event, you you might win it or get anywhere near winning it. But um, it was hugely valuable in the point that um, you know you were able to uh, you, you learned a lot uh, a lot from that, and then you know when it comes to next year or this year. Um, you'd be in a, be- a better position, and you'd be you'd be um, 
more experience in it as well which is good and you know that's the great thing about sport I suppose you know my philosophy is kind of you know you don't lose you either win or you learn and I think that's a that, that's a, a good way to kind of look at sport isn't it? That's exactly it and you know we have we have people from those winning teams that are, uh, that are willing to come down and, and coach us a little bit and bring us, bring us up to their level um, and I suppose that's the main part about it is there's no um, there, there's not much rivalry in uh, in such a small sport everybody's just there to try and help each other Yeah, you know? yeah that's good and I suppose yeah. really um, you know it, it's kind of good to see that and it's a, that, that in that as well it, it, mean, it means that the, the sport will, will grow as well but it's also the, the great the great uh, I suppose the social um, the social aspect of it as well and uh, I know you were saying we were talking last week um, you were saying there's a you know this is a Roscommon based uh, community show or a community station so um, you were saying that there's a number um, there's a number of uh, Roscommon player people on the on the squad as well on the Connacht squad which is great to see and uh, maybe from that then they might be able to get help to as you, as you said there uh, set up a Roscommon team yeah it, it, exactly or if any of your, any your listeners want uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out to me and you know we can go through how you set up a club uh, how you set up a, a softball club and get your training I mean literally all you need is is a, is a field to play on and and, and people to play with. You know? that, that's it. And uh, I suppose uh, could you, could we mention the there's common players? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, uh, hopefully, I haven't got this wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's both Declan Carthy is uh, the kind of monster secretary, and he's also from Roscana. Um, I think Lisa is as well, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's good to it's good to get a bit of a Roscommon representation in there. So I suppose finally before we uh, before we go, I suppose if there's anyone like after listening to this that are saying, Gini, you know, I might I might take up this uh, this uh, sport of ra- ra- of uh, softball. Um, how do they how do they go about getting involved? I mean, uh, is there a number to contact, or uh, obviously there's um, there's a Facebook page as well that they can go on. But is there is there anyone in particular that they need to contact um, to say like when is training or what the story is yeah just like I mean if they want to if they want to email us just info at softballcm.com um, or our website softballcm.com is a new members form at the top of it uh, fill that in we'll either we'll either direct you to a club uh, that's setting up or or we'll, we'll give you help setting up your own. That's it, and I suppose, like, obviously, if to, there's a, a membership that has to be paid and all that, uh, what's the membership fee, or is there a membership fee? Um, there, there is, but the, the fees are per club, not yeah. per person. So oh, right. individual clubs that charge a membership fee to cover their own running costs, uh, the, the fees... That, that we charge, I think, like a, a a new team is 150 euro for the year. Yeah. Corporation. Okay, that's great. Uh, so, is there anything else you'd like to to say before we finish up? Is there anything you want to let the play, let the listeners know about about the sport or anything? Um, just that we've uh, we've we've a jam packed year coming up. I think we're next next weekend. We're all up to we're all up to Dublin DCU to play a different version of softball uh, indoor because it's obviously too cold to be going outdoors at the moment um, but yeah if you take a look at our take a look at our Facebook page there's uh, all the events and everything posted there um, 
there's there's no time like the present to get involved in something new. That's it, and of course it could be one of the one of the. Um one of the New Year's resolutions are the kind of keep fit uh, kind of things for the New Year. So listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, to do the interview with us and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, thank okay. you. Thanks very much. And that was Vinny McGrain from Connacht Softball. B, that's not really important. It's what he knows about the cars, what he can tell you is going on and what he can tell you needs to improve. That's the big one. And that really only comes with um, experience more so he than could, He could probably nearly tell you about every nut, nut and bolt in the car I suppose down to, down to that fine a margin Yeah absolutely they would yes uh, I mean you could see that that dead easy happen you know it's um, these guys they, they know the way things are flowing they know, they know if one side is a handling they know if one side is wearing faster than the other they, they can feel it in the steering wheel when you have that sort of level of a Formula One driver is, uh, you know, in in some, I suppose, in some Grand Prix circuits or rather than others, there are some pretty, uh, pretty steep or pretty bad or dangerous bends. So I suppose what could be done to a car, uh, safety wise, that that maybe you know when that um, when the driver is coming up to a bad bend or indeed any bend to make it safer for cornering. Well, that's kind of a. That's kind of a bit of a hot potato, really. Um, mm. I, I, I mean, if... The, I know you problem, have to kind of slow down. I know you come in, to, for, to a certain degree, you have to slow down coming up to a, a bend or that, but do you know if there was kind of something that could be adjusted to to kind of make that easier for, for a driver? Because there are pretty severe bends in some of those uh, circuits, isn't there? Yeah, there is pretty severe bends. There's two arguments on that one, really. Um, yeah. You know, the first argument is, you know, should we slow the cars down more? But that's going to be a little bit boring for people. You know, you want to see a Formula it'll 1 also, car. It'll also affect times as well. For Oh, absolutely. And when you see these things at full tilt and how they can go around corners, I mean, it, 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 they're incredible. I, I remember myself seeing on the, the, the S, the first two corners of uh, Monza, and they had the Formula Porsche Cup um, on before qualifying. And, uh, you know, Formula Porsche, they are not slow. They are fast cars and they were coming around we were really enjoying it then qualifying came in and it went around those two turns and gone you've never seen anything like the savage acceleration out of these things I don't know how people even see where they're going to be honest with you but you don't really want to slow down that spectacle too much so you know maybe widening the corners is a good idea but then again if you widen the corners, a Formula One driver is going to try and go as fast through that corner as is humanly possible. So, you know, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a double-edged sword. Can you slow them down? They're still going to try and go as fast as possible in a tight corner. Okay. Well, then we make, you know, easier corners. But then they're going to try and go as fast as humanly possible around the easy yeah. corners. It's not an easy answer, that one, I have to admit. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy just that's situation. Just something I'd point out, like maybe... Just, oh, no, it's, no, it's just a good point. It's a good point, mm. and uh, really, it's I suppose it's something that you know people are going to stop and go, yeah, yeah. There kind of is no answer to it, really. It's it's one of those questions, and it's well worth pointing out. Uh, it is a very good question because um, you know a lot of people a lot of people have been asking that, and should you slow them down? Should you speed them up? That really, the only way they can slow them down is the way they're going at the minute, and and of yeah. course, they did do something 
couple of people got a, a couple of fines because of it, which I thought was good. You need to step in and doing it. But in order to make sure the cars don't go and run away with themselves, um, the budgets were capped this year. Now, in, in, in 2021, it was $145 million. What an amount of money. for um, that, That's just the budget for you know research and development and that. Now, 2022, it was dropped to $140 million. Now, that doesn't sound like a big difference but it actually is because you know you have the medium teams and you know five million is a lot of money to be throwing extra at a car for development yeah you wouldn't get a whole lot out of it but you know with formula one cars it's that tiny little tweak and you're gone you know you're just no one's going to catch you uh, with that tiny little tweak so i mean you know it's very good that they sort of put that cap on it to bring other racing teams up because you've got the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull. They can literally write, give them a blank check and say, use whatever you want, lads. You know, they're they're, they're that big of a team. And um, uh, just the way it goes, it's just... um, it's just not going to go anywhere. I suppose uh, it's, it's kind of like if you if you were to use a football analogy, it'd be kind of like um, I, I suppose Man City, Manchester City uh, in the Premier League, where they have limitless amount of money, but they have uh, so they can buy any player they want, or they can do whatever they want because they have the money being pumped into the mountain they need, they can ask for. And then the likes of Liverpool, Man United and the rest of them are kind of, you know, they, they wouldn't have the spending money that uh, Man City has. But, uh, you know, they have brought in this financial fair play. Is there kind of something similar in that in, in Formula One? Like where, yeah, that's where the cap comes in, I suppose, the, which is the... Uh, Formula One equivalent. Oh, absolutely. That's where the cap comes in. I mean, these cars are worth an absolute fortune. I remember actually um, somebody I knew, not mentioning names, had an investment company. Um, well, it was someone I met through someone else. And um, the investment company had done so well, he went and he bought himself a Ferrari. Now, the problems with that Ferrari is there's a three year wait. That's how popular Ferraris are. And uh, you have to go over to Ferrari and you can pick all your finishes and everything like that. It's very much a kind of a VIP treatment. Every car is different. You just don't buy one that comes off the production. You you pick what you want. And um, I remember in particular the second year he was, he had a year to wait and Michael Schumacher won the first uh, Ferrari Formula One World Championship in quite some time. And um, the car went up by 5% in price. And I kind of said to him, I went, hang on a minute now. This seems a bit stupid. You ordered this three years ago. You put a deposit on it. And now suddenly you're putting the price up. And he says, yeah, I did ask that. And I said, well, what did they say? He said, well, you either want it or you don't. <laughs> well, you that's see, what it comes down to, yeah. If you want to You know, 5% on a Ferrari is a lot of money. You know, yeah. so I mean... A Ferrari in itself is expensive before Anton Elson. Absolutely. So, I mean, by, by winning, you can do this. So, I mean, obviously, the, the, the impetus is pump everything you can into that Formula One car because what we can do is we can sod off and, and add extra, increase the prices on our regular cars because of it, you know. But And because they'd be looking at it as well, if you don't want to buy it, someone else will. So they're going to win. The the companies are going to win either way. Well, if there's a waiting list of three years, you know what I mean? It's, uh, well, we we, we don't have a marketing issue here, lads. (laughs) (laughs) 
Actually, I just, when I was looking at it there, you were talking about the changes. There is actually a power unit freeze now until uh, 2025. Um, they're now 2022. Um, the teams are no longer allowed to develop the engine. Um, 2023, 2024 and 2025 they are no longer allowed to develop the engine. Uh, they can develop the rest of the car but they cannot touch the engine. Uh, I think 2026 they're saying there's a new generation of PUs which is uh, kind of plastics but of course you know <laughs> there won't be regular plastics uh, are due to be rolled out so currently the teams are frantic trying to get these guys <laughs> trying to get these guys into effect it, it, it's more the long game now. It's not next year. It's five years time or three years time or whatever. So I think that's a good thing because, you know, aerodynamics will make the car a little bit more safer than a more powerful engine. Um, so that is a good thing, really, I have to admit. Um, it's, it's the best way to do it. It really is the best way to do it. I, I have to sing their praises on that one. Put a cap on the money and then, nope, you can't change your engine anymore, lads. The engine isn't very good at the end of 2022. Well, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that could have been a lot of the issues as well with the cars being unreliable because... You know, everyone was going, right, lads, this is the year to develop the engine. And after this, we're gone. So, yeah. of course, you know, develop the engine, develop the engine, develop the engine. But development too fast does make problems, as we saw, with issues that you haven't seen in um, breakdowns and things like that. You know, it, it makes the cars less reliable. What can you do? What can you do? That's it. And I suppose that, that brings us on to, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, as there always is between one season and the next, there's always a lot, a lot going on off the circuit, off the Grand Prix circuit. So take us through the latest news. Well, I noticed there that the team bosses have been very positive. Yes, they said it was a very good step forward. Um, reflect, reflecting on, I suppose, the impact of the 2022 uh, rule changes um, that were brought in for various different reasons, including uh, rule changes because of the, the, the silliness between two particular drivers running for the World Championship. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was a bit of an odd one. Um, but they're all singing his praises and saying it's very, very good. So that's a good thing to, to hear. Now, as we know, Mick Schumacher has really been put back in, well, not a race seat, but he is reserved driver now for Mercedes. Um, um, you know, I think he wasn't given a fair crack at a whip, really. Uh, I think he is a better driver than he seems to be. It's just he had a lot of problems towards the end because I think he was just very, very frustrated. You know, he's Mick Schumacher, not Michael Schumacher, but still that is some shadow to try and, 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 and come out of, you know, in your own right. So, Toto Wolff has said uh, he deserves a chance. Um, he's not going to change the two drivers he has because obviously they're still under contract. Although 2023 is Hamilton's last year of contract. So what will be negotiated there, I'm not quite sure. Um, to me, if George Russell does better than him again, he might just get the old elbow. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, um, of course, Mick Schumacher is, is going to hope someone gets sick or <laughs> get COVID and he'll be back in an F1 car. I'd like to see what he could do under Mercedes because I think um, I, I, I think it would be it would be very good to just see what he actually can do in yeah, a car do, of do, that do think, sort. Um, do you think that maybe he deserves to be more than a, a reserve driver or 
for his stage of the of his career is reserve driver about right. Like when you consider his, shall I say, his heritage, uh, you know, uh, it, it, should he be well? He can't, he can't get these things just on his name, on his name, you know, or whatever. But um, do you think he's a better driver? He's too good a driver to be a reserve driver, or is that a, is that about right that he should be um, he should be a reserve driver instead? I actually think. I mean, you know, Formula Two, the guy won it. He was the world champion. Um, you know, before he moved into Formula One, I think he's a better driver than is being said about him. I think he's being unfairly maligned at the minute. I think his issue is frustration and the whole thing that goes on with I mean it's a massive step up from Formula 2 to Formula 1 and I think his head isn't around it I mean you know he's had his his, his father in Formula 1 of course who just came in and did massive things out of nowhere mind you is uh, Michael Schumacher didn't really suffer from nerves that much or anything like that but still and then he went into Mercedes for a while and then of course you had Ma- Ralph Schumacher um, his uncle was working in Mercedes not in Formula 1 but he was working in Mercedes for a while too um, with the AMG and all that sort of stuff. And and then he's broad, you know, kind of, I, I think going to Mercedes will do him good because there's a bit of a history there. Um, Haas was just, I mean, it's the third Ferrari car, really. You know what I mean? There's Ferrari. And the second Ferrari car is Alfa Romeo, which isn't as good as Ferrari. And then the third Ferrari car is Haas. It's a bit like Red Bull and Toro Rosso. If you can cut your chops in Toro Rosso, you'll go to Red Bull. You know, that's just the way it is. And I think he just, I think his head got out of the game a bit. I think he's frustrated. I think he's annoyed. I think he's had a lot of pressure put on him just because of his surname. And I'm not saying he's not good. I think the man will get a drive again. But I do think this is the best place for him because he's going to have the time to step out and just breathe the air. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's all he has to do. Drive the car, breathe the air, get your confidence, get your head in the game, move it back, chill out a bit. I think it'll be a great thing for him. I, I, I can see him two or three years' time being back behind the car, running around the track again. You know, and, and it's the same, actually, the same sort of thing as has happened to Danny Ricardo. Another driver that I think is underestimated big time. Not as much as Mick. Um, I, I think Mick's really just unjustifiably been sort of picked on to a certain extent. And of course, you know, in, in Formula One, in Formula One terms, he is still young enough as well to be able to go through that that type of thing as in, you know, for the next, you know, be a reserve driver for now and then like, you know, in a couple of years time, then, then maybe be first choice depending on how things go with drivers because, you know, drivers can come and go, they might be unhappy and they might want to go to another team or whatever. So, you know, he might get his opportunity then. So I suppose that that's the, uh, you know, he, he's kind of at that age, he's still young enough that he'd be able to do that. It's not as though like he's midway, you, you know, like, you know, you know, <laughs> older, like kind of, you, you, know, you know, we say at Lewis Hamilton's stage where, well, Lucas, there's no point in, uh, you know, if, if he's going to be a reserve driver at that age, you're as well off to leave him there. He's still young enough that he can do this and come along and uh, we say become first driver in the next few years then. So there's no panic really with him. No, not at all. He's still a young man. Yeah. He is still a young man. And, you know, when you're looking at us, OK, George Russell's going nowhere. Um, mm. Mercedes are going to be uh, very sort of tenacious in keeping him, especially after last year's performance. I mean, what a driver. 
Um, yeah. And um, but the thing is, Lewis Hamilton is getting older, and yeah. you know, as much as we don't like to say it, reaction times do slow down. You get a little bit more wary, and you know, I, I'm not saying these guys, as they get older, aren't absolutely geniuses behind cars. Of course they are. They could be eighty years of age and they'd be far better than we would be. But at the same time, you know. You're up against the best of the best of the best of the best and younger books the whole time. It's the same with every sport, you know, soccer, hurling, anything. It's the same. The young books come in, they're, they're, they're just sharper, you know what I mean? And they're, they've less worries and they're indestructible. And that's great. So, you know, I'm sure Mick is sitting there thinking to himself, now, if I can prove I'm good here, I might just get Lewis's seat when he decides to go. Now, as, as we know, Lewis's contract is up for renewal at the end of 2023. Will he stay? That is the big question. Everyone thought he would retire after Vettelbet in that time. Um, but also, like there's there's also the, the there's also the possibility that maybe because of his age, maybe Mercedes might say, "Listen, we got the best out here. We don't want to renew your contract." It happens in soccer, so there's that possibility as well. There is that possibility. I think if. Um, George Russell really shone, I have to admit, over Lewis. Now, Lewis did a better job towards the end of the season. But, I mean, George was a bit unlucky towards the end of the season, you could say, too. He was very unlucky in a couple of cases. And they ran bad strategies with him a couple of times towards, like, the last five or six races. It was uh, You're kind of sitting there shouting at the television going, what are you doing? You know, it's just kind of, you're setting the guy up to lose practically, you know. He's a brilliant driver and I think he has it. I think he's every bit as good. He just, If he gets a bit more experience, he's going to be better. Um, he's every bit as good as Lewis Hamilton at the minute, I think. Uh, and even Lewis has kind of been a kind of a bit reserved and, and, and praising him to a certain extent as well because he sees the new guard coming in. Everybody does. You know, mm. Fernando Alonso's the same. Sebastian Vettel's the same. The, the, to see the changing of the guards, the younger guys are coming in and they see it. It's tough. It's a very tough situation to be in. I mean, nobody wanted Sebastian Vettel to retire. But, you know, there comes a, chance, there comes a point where you're going, well, you know, I'm good, but I'm not that good. You know what I mean? I'm not as good as I used to be. Well, well, it's kind of better to kind of decide it on your own terms and say, "Well, listen, I think I think my time is done." It's better to to leave rather than to be pushed, isn't it? Like you know, and that's that's the nature of every sport. It's uh, you know whether you're a hurler or a footballer or soccer player or rugby player, whatever. Uh, race and you know horse whatever it, it does. It is kind of you, you can kind of see it coming, and you, you kind of say to yourself, "Well." Is it better that I call time on my own terms, or to be pushed <laughs> to be pushed out to pasture? If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, really, I think Lewis should be taking a feather out of Michael Schumacher's cap. Michael yeah. Schumacher retired. He just said, "I'm going." He had another five or six years in him before things were going to get to the stage where he should consider retiring. Now he did great things. A lot of people slated him for Mercedes when he went in, but the hair that Lewis Hamilton took over would not be as good as it was without what he did for those three years because they were in a very, very under sort of powered car that wasn't as good as everyone because they hadn't been in Formula One in years. And, you know, his experience got the car to a point where it's going to win. They wanted him to stay. He said, no, 
<laughs> he said no he's not staying he's doing his three years and he's leaving which is a pity because he could have got another world championship but other things were important to him like family and his kids were more important to him than racing because you know you're not around you're 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 gone a lot of the time off testing cars moving to places traveling the world you know and and he went to the highest he didn't win his last year he came in second but still you know, you can't knock that. The guy said, right, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm out. I've got yeah. other things to do. And it's nice to see that rather than a driver doing his best, doing great, doing great, and then slowly fading away. I, I think Lewis should take a feather out of that cap, you know. There's nothing he has to prove. There's nothing he has to gain. You know, he can do what he likes in life without any problems. No one's ever going to question. You know, he's done his job. Fair play to you. You've, you've done a great job. I he's been at the he's been at the top for so long. I mean, you know, he he has won the World Grand Prix. He has he has been there. It's not as though like he's a, he has been in there all these years and hasn't and hasn't won um hasn't won a season. He actually has won a, a few of them. So as you say, he has nothing to prove in that sense. And uh, I suppose, like you know, the, you, you know, if life is is part of phases, you know. So, and this is just one of the phases. So, I mean, there's other, you know, life just. For, but I think that's that's it for so long with him as well. His whole life revolved around Formula One for so long. It is hard to kind of make that break. But I suppose, you know, when you do that, we've seen it with David Coulthard and other drivers. There are other options, like we say, going into media work or whatever, or you know, in an advisory role. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a player when they're playing, like, and I've seen it, you know, with myself. It is very hard when you when your your whole life revolved around football for so long or hurling. You know, to say it, it is a tough decision, but you know, there are other there are other things in life. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's like. Um, when Schumacher retired, he went working on the Ferrari black. Now, I can guarantee yeah. you, you know, that, that that was a good thing. I remember seeing the car going around the Top Gear track. They, they couldn't actually put it on the, the leaderboard of cars because I think yeah. it was using a different type of tyre at the time because it was still a prototype. But that thing was incredibly quick. It was faster than anything else they ever had on the show. And Schumacher was tweaking that car. So, I mean, he had that to do. Now, he was a man of leisure after that. I mean, he could do what he likes. But again, Ralph Schumacher went off to Mercedes and started helping Mercedes with cars. There's plenty these guys can do. You only have to look at, like, Jean Alessi and his massive vineyards. And still, he gets involved in racing every now and again. Or, or, you know, you're looking at Martin Brundle, the guy who's, you know, doing all the commentating on Sky, was on the BBC. You know, he also runs in Le Mans, you know, every now and again. He goes and races in Le Mans. There's so much that could do. It's it's absolutely unreal. I, I just think it would be... I think it's good. I think it would be great for Lewis to go out the end of this year and doing reasonably well. He doesn't have to win, you know, but if he's in the top three, you know, you're still on your game, bow out while you're ahead. Do you know what I mean? I just think it's a better thing rather than fading away to a certain extent, you know. Uh, And talk about fading away. (laughs) Um, Red Bull said they've improved and um, they reckon that Max Verstappen has improved and they're tipping 
for an even better 2023. I'd like to see that now. I don't know how they're going to improve on 2022. I mean, he's won more races in a season than anybody else <laughs> at this stage. How can you improve on that? <laughs> it's absolute insanity. But look, look let him, let, let, let him, let him, uh, let him go for it as well. There. Oh. Um, the manager city season, as we know, which was was shot by Ferrari there earlier on, that's all kind of settled down now. A base bar, Williams announced strategy chief James Vowles as the new team boss for Williams. Um, is the silly season starting again? Um, you know, to go from a strategy chief to uh, sort of a, a team boss, it's a bit of a jump now. But that, of course, means that Mercedes have just lost their strategy chief and to be honest with you you know Ferrari lost their strategy chief I don't think anyone would lose a night's sleep but um, you know he's been pretty good in Mercedes he's made some good calls especially himself and George Russell working together he made some excellent calls in 2022 I wonder what's going to happen there actually you know it's um, kind of strange really we'll have to wait and see Sergeant as we know of course is starting this year as well and he <laughs> he insists that there's no extra pressure on him, despite the fact that he's the first American F1 driver since 2015. <laughs> and there's three American races this year. There you <laughs> I go. Know, there should be no extra pressure personally, but, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's certain things. Um, I suppose with the news, um, just a few things to look forward to in 2023, and we'll wrap it up after that, as I say. Um, the first one is, Ferrari and Mercedes are still on the hunt. Uh, Ferrari especially. Um, they're hungrier than ever, it seems. So with the change around there, uh, you know, ex Alfa Romeo boss Frederick Vasseur going in as team principal to Ferrari, um, you know, that's really going to change things. We will have to see. I don't think Red Bull are going to have it as easy as they think it is. Um, of course, we're going to have Max Verstappen defending his crown and we know how uh, pig-headed Max is and fair play to him. He reminds me of Schumacher in some ways. Um, you know, he's bloody-minded and dogged and uh, it's a great thing to see. Um, the other thing is, of course, rookies um, are going to be uh, uh, changing seats with, pro with proven drivers every now and again to get their testing. Uh, you know, I mean, Logan Sargent was uh, one of the guys who came out of that in 2022 and they're going to want him to do it a bit more because you know when you stop and think that um sebastian not sebastian vettel who am i thinking of now fernando alonso actually had to buy his way into formula one by bringing um what you might call it with him by bringing um advertisers with him into formula one that's how he got into formula one i mean that's crazy really um so the system of, of of allowing drivers and making sure they have to let rookie drivers in. Yeah, well, it's going to get people in who deserve to be there. <laughs> I think I yeah. think that's a great thing. You know, I, I do think it's a great thing. Of course we have Viva Las Vegas. Um with yeah, the Las Vegas true. Grand Prix. That should be Viva Las Viva Las Wexford as well. Oh yeah, I booked us in at the MGM. Although I think Paul Egan is staying in at Caesar's, but uh, I booked us in the MGM. Uh, uh, in, so we'll be okay for that race, anyhow. And um, it's a record-breaking calendar too. We're going to have twenty-four Grand Prix. Are these people glutton for punishment? Do they want holidays? I don't understand. They're going to have so much money because they can't spend it. Uh, <laughs> twenty-four races. I mean, that's just 
incredible when you think about it. And they're doing six sprint events as well for 2023, which is is going to be insane. You know, the Driver Academy as well has been the week for Formula 2 and Formula 3 up to Formula 1 is um, is being turned up the week too. And, and, and I think... There's there's going to be an all female F one Academy series too. I think that's wrong. Um, you know, I do think that's wrong. I, I'm not saying women shouldn't be in Formula One, but I think it's like, you know, oh well, you're not good enough to race with the lads, so we're going to put you in your own female academy. Well, I mean, oh, I don't think a, that's right. You see it in you see it in horse racing. I mean. You know, it, it used to be all men. The next thing you know, you had the likes of Rachel Blackmore and all these, all, all these female, and they're they're actually in with the men, and they're they they've won uh, they've won loads of races, and not not just any race, but important races. You know, you've seen it in how how, how well uh, Rachel Blackmore is getting on. So there's no reason why they can't do the same. I mean, if they can do that in horse racing, there's no there's no reason to believe why uh, women can't do just as just as well as men in Formula One. Not in the least. Not in the least. I think they're every bit as good. They really are. And and you do know that they're you know. Well, that's not being condescending or no, anything. It's least. just yeah, not the least. And I'm not being condescending about uh, an all-female yeah. F1 academy. I think they're good enough to be in the bloody same academy. I, I think yeah. it's. I, I think it is condescending to have a female academy. I think that's very condescending. I don't know how they haven't given out about that. They just need the bloody opportunities to get in. If a woman yeah. is quick and she's as quick as the lads, get her in. You know what I mean? Rather than saying, oh, you go over there, we're going to segregate you in your own academy. No, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I, 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 I'm I, sure maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm, I'm hoping women will stand by me on that one. <laughs> uh, with a bit of luck, because uh, I'm sure some of the lads will run me down. But anyway, that's what I'm I sure, I'm sure. I'm sure your wife will have something to say about that. No, more than likely. But I, I do think they should be just going, no, lads, no, no, no. Let's look at a few and see how good they are. And if they're good enough, let's get them in here. I can guarantee you there's some of them out there good enough. You know, it's, it's going to start with one. And then the avalanche is going to occur. You know what I mean? There's going to be a few more. It just takes... We nearly had one in, in 2022. Come on, women, let's get in there in 2023. I'd like to see somebody in there. I really would. It doesn't matter if they don't win a race, if they don't win a world championship. It matters that they're there. Because if they're there, it opens the gate for more. Um, so that's what I'd like to see personally. I, I'd like to see uh, them coming along. And I, I'll finish with this one. Um as we know, Lewis Hamilton's uh, contract is 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 finished this year. Um, now, Toto Wolff has told us um, thing beyond the grid uh, that in, in in agreeing terms with Lewis over a new contract this winter um, is on to do lists, uh, and he reckons there is no firm deadline on that. Now, that sounds great. That sounds marvelous, but. You know, it's kind of... Last time Lewis did this, it really caught him on the back foot because he waited till the last second to sign and it did not do him any favours. So I hope if he's going to sign, wake up and smell the coffee. 